Well, good morning. My name is Reagan Gilliland. I'm pastor of adult discipleship, if I don't know you, and I'm so glad that you're here for week two of our Into the Wilderness series. And I have to say, I'm just so excited because as Meredith uh, pointed out, that today's scripture really is just a song of praise. And so, if you're thinking what I'm thinking, I do need to sing with a tambourine for 18 minutes straight, right? I know that's what you were thinking. I can't do that. I told Chris if I could do that, and he turned me down. Um, I think mainly because I, I said I'm, I've got a great outfit to wear. I have a picture of it, and he said no. Um, no sequin leotards allowed uh, when you're preaching the Word of God. I think he was just jealous because he can't pull off sequins, but it's, it's fine. But honestly, in all seriousness, I'm very excited to preach on this text because, you know, I realized the importance of it, of course, in history. Like, I knew it was this big moment because Charleston Heston showed us in the movie how epic it was, but I didn't really understand the significance of what happens and what this portion tells us about who God is and what God did. And I have to say, it kind of took me by surprise. Now, before we get into Exodus 15, I do need to revisit a few things. I I know many of us know this story of Moses and the the Exodus and all of that, but just in case, I wanted to just go quickly through it. So we open into the book of Exodus, and we find that the Israelites have been in slavery. They are this oppressed people. And Pharaoh is demanding that the male children, the male babies are killed because the Israelites have grown to be this mighty force and he's trying to control it. And then we read about Moses is being sent in a basket and he's sent down the Nile and then ends up in uh, Pharaoh's house and is raised in Pharaoh's house. And then some things happen. Uh, he ends up fleeing, yada, yada. Uh, he then is encountered by God through this burning bush, and God says, actually, I need you to go back to Egypt. I need you to free your people. And there's this back and forth, blah, blah, blah. No, I can't do it. How about Aaron? I'm not good enough. Who are you? What do I say? I am blah, 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 blah. Um, and then he gets to Egypt, and he faces uh, Pharaoh, and there's, again, back and forth, back and forth. And some plagues go on, some more problematic than others. Um, And then before we know it, uh, they're fleeing. uh, They're crossing dry land. uh, The Red Sea has parted. And then uh, the Egyptians try to get them and they drown, right? So when I say yada, 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 blah, 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 it's important stuff. So I, I just wanted to translate it for you. It actually means take Chris's class on Exodus it starts September 18th. So he can fill in all the blanks in the more tricky scriptures because I don't have time for that today. So now we arrive in Exodus 15 and uh, we are going to go ahead and read um, this. So just go ahead and give me my note. Um, Just kidding, I'm not going to sing it. Um, That'll be bad. Okay. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my might, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he cast into the sea. His picked officers were sunk in the Red Sea. 
The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrew your adversaries. You sent out your fury. It consumed them like a stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The flood stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue you. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword and my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in splendor, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. In your steadfast love, you led the people whom you redeemed. You guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples heard that they trembled, pangs seized in heavens of uh, Philistia, then the chiefs of Edom were dismayed. Trembling seized the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. By the might of your arm, they became still as stone. Until your people, O Lord, passed by. Until the people whom you acquired passed by. You brought them in and planted them on the mountain of your own possession. The place, O Lord, that you made your abode. The sanctuary, O Lord, that your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. When the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his chariot drivers went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them, but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then the prophet Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and with dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. That would have been a good dance number. I'm just saying. Um, so did you hear all the words they used to describe God? They went on and on. It's this celebration. It's this thankfulness. It's, it's, it's so much gratitude. And I think it's important that we need to put our feet into Israel's shoes at this moment. Or sandals. They are descendants of Abraham. They've been told for centuries they were, you know, and they were flourishing and they were mighty. They were multiplying just as God had said would happen. They were this strong and mighty group. And under Joseph's leading, they were in good standing and things were great. They were taken care of. They had freedom. But then everything changed once a new Pharaoh came into power. The days of Joseph were long gone and Israel has found themselves in slavery. They are this oppressed people. And they think this isn't what was supposed to happen. We are God's chosen people. We should not be in this place. We are suffering. We are miserable. We are dying. And they're crying out. They're groaning out. In chapter 6, the caption in most Bibles will most likely say, Israel's deliverance assured. And I thought it was important to read what God says starting in verse 5. I've also heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are holding as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will free you from the burdens of the Egyptians and deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. You shall know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from the burdens of the Egyptians. 
I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you for possession. I am the Lord. So Moses gives this promise to the Israelites. He tells them, and if you were to keep reading right after that, verse 9, it says that the Israelites don't even hear because they have a broken spirit. They're utterly broken. They have been in slavery for centuries. They have been an oppressed people. They have been suffering for so long. They've been this way. Their parents have been this way. Their grandparents, every generation has been like this. So they think this is how it's always been. Don't come to us and tell us that things are going to change, Moses. This is just what life is. I imagine many of us have felt that way too, just defeated. It's hard not to be cynical when it's been a certain way for so, so long. And so chapter six, God declares that God will deliver But this song of praise is in chapter 15, and we don't know necessarily how much time has passed, but I have to imagine the waiting just reinforced that the Israelites thought, gosh, there's no way we're going to be delivered. Sure, you told us, but nothing's happening. But then all of a sudden, after all these plagues and and Pharaoh kind of arguing back and forth with Moses and Aaron and, and, and God and all of this, Pharaoh says, rise up, go away from my people, both you and the Israelites, Go worship the Lord, as you said. Take your flocks and your herds, as you said, and be gone. And I'm sure the Israelites are very confused. Is this a trick? Do we really get to go? And so it's chaotic. They're like, okay, let's, let's go. Let's gather what we can. We got to find our children. We got to find our parents, our grandparents. Uh, we can't really take a lot, but we need to, to gather everyone, get our flocks, get our herds. Okay, we're, we're going. They didn't have time for their bread to rise. And so they're throwing things like in a bowl, putting things in a cloak over their shoulders, and they are going. They don't have really anything to sustain them. And they didn't know how long would this journey be. How long is this going to take? They didn't even know where they were going, which direction. I mean, if you think your kids ask, are we there yet a lot? Can you imagine what the Bible says? More than 600,000 people asking you, are we there yet? Poor Moses. And we read that God leads them in this roundabout way in the wilderness and there's pillars of cloud and, and fire guiding them and God telling them where to camp. And then we read that Pharaoh and officials say, oh my gosh, what have we done? We've lost all of our help. That, that was not a good move. So they, they charge after them. And the Israelites see them advancing on them. And the Israelites complain and complain, basically yelling at Moses because they see what's coming. And they're like, we're gonna die out here. Why didn't we just stay in Egypt? I don't, I don't wanna die in the wilderness. Thanks a lot. And Moses keeps assuring them, okay, the Lord will deliver. The Lord will deliver. God, God promised this. Of course, we know what happens. I've said it already. The Red Sea divides. The Israelites walk on dry land through the middle. The Egyptians try to, but the walls of water collapse on them and they drown. Talk about cutting it close. And so can you feel the heartbeat of the Israelites? 
Can you feel the sweat? Can you hear how fast their breath is? Can you feel the shakiness of their knees? Because they just escaped death. And then they turn to Moses. And Moses says, I told you so. He doesn't. But there's this really important verse right before they start singing that I never really noticed before. It was kind of tucked in there, but it was brought to my attention how important this verse is, especially to our Jewish brothers and sisters. And this is what 1430 says. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day. After centuries of oppression and slavery, God saves them. Do you see why they felt compelled to break out in song? Do you see why for at least for a short short moment they had thankfulness and joy and hope? A song is fitting because just words, they just don't work. That's why they have to sing things like, the Lord is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. This is why they say, in the greatness of your majesty. This is why they proclaim, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in splendor, doing wonders? A song is absolutely needed in this moment. Now, this is the part of the sermon, if you've been following along or if you know what our series is doing, you're like, I thought we were supposed to talk about Miriam. I'm glad you asked. We are going to talk about her, and I also need to mention other women in this story as well as throughout the Bible. So how did this moment of deliverance even come to be? Well, it started with some brave and courageous women. It was because of women that Moses was even alive. If you were to go back to Exodus 1, we are introduced to nameless midwives, Pharaoh has demanded that the midwives kill the boy babies, but we read that the midwives feared God, which is not like afraid, but reverence. And so they don't do what Pharaoh asked. They save countless male babies. Remember, they could have been killed for their disobedience, and yet they say, no, this isn't right. We read that God blessed them, gave them families because of the way Um, They obeyed God rather than Pharaoh. So it's women that stood up to Pharaoh first. It was women that first said no. Women were the ones that had faith in God first, I believe, in this story. How much do we owe to women like these nameless midwives? Then we go on to read about Moses being born. His mother hid him for three months. Again, he should have been killed. But both the midwife and his mother went and gets Pharaoh's command. Moses' mother was bold and brave. She was without power, a slave, a foreigner, and yet she is courageous and takes this huge risk. Can you imagine putting your baby in a basket, hoping maybe he could be saved? And so he he floats down, and his sister Miriam watches from a distance to see what would happen And the daughter of Pharaoh rescues the basket. She takes pity on this little Hebrew baby boy. And who is there to speak up on what to do? Miriam. Miriam says, shall I go and get a nurse from the Hebrew woman to nurse this child for you? Miriam, 
A child most likely is bold enough to suggest something to Pharaoh's daughter. Miriam makes a plan. Miriam, this little Hebrew girl, intercedes and takes action. Because of her idea, Moses' mother gets to come and nurse him and raise him. Miriam makes a way for Moses to live and grow and be protected and for her mother to still be with him. Miriam does all of this. Moses should be falling over himself to give thanks to Miriam for all that she did for him. He owes his life to Miriam. He owes his life to these midwives. And of course, he owes his life to his mother. So should Miriam have been leading this whole thing? Probably but maybe that's just my opinion. I mean, at least pick her over Aaron, Moses. Come on. You probably could have avoided the whole golden calf disaster if you just would have put the woman in charge, right? (sighs) Although later we read in Numbers about the three of them being called as leaders together, but Miriam certainly does not get the airtime compared to Aaron. She certainly doesn't get the recognition she deserves. At least she's referred to as a prophet. I'm thankful for that. But as I was preparing for this sermon, I found something interesting about Exodus 15, about this song. Scholars agree that this may be the oldest bit of poetry in the Hebrew Bible. And some believe that actually the song in Miriam came first but the writers put it after the Song of Moses. If you were paying attention, I know I read a long, long time. What Miriam sings is the first thing that Moses sings, but Moses gets credit for it. Cool, love that. But I realize even though we have so little written about Miriam, even though her voice is barely heard, From when we are first introduced to her as a young child, I see such faith in her. I see such a belief and recognition of who God is. I wonder when Moses and Aaron might have struggled and messed up, I wonder if Miriam stepped up and led the people and encouraged them to keep believing in this God of deliverance. I can't help but wonder if her being the one to lead the songs, if she knew all along who this God was one that was majestic and strong and mighty and one that delivers. I don't know, maybe that's just me. But what I hope this teaches is that that the woman's voice is there in the Bible, that their contributions are quite large, but we have to be paying attention. I'm not saying Moses and Aaron aren't important, but in many stories like these famous ones that are so well known, We forget to look at how women play such a vital role. Now, I certainly can't cover all the women in the Bible, but here's just a few. Sarah had to say yes to Abraham. Hagar is the only person in the Bible to give a name to God. These midwives had to first step in. Moses' mother had to risk a lot. Miriam found a solution. Miriam gives a proper praise to God first. Ruth takes charge of her and Naomi's future. Esther goes to a king with a big demand. And women are the first to declare the resurrection. This song of thankfulness, this deliverance, of course, is from God. But the major players or the ones that set this story in motion start with some nameless midwives. And then it's carried forth 
by a woman named Miriam. For us, how can we bring attention to these women? How can we give them a voice? Because they are there and they are a mighty force. Thanks be to God for women like Miriam whose faithful example is a witness to all of us. Amen.